You may be seated. Today, uh, this is the fourth Sunday in our month of missions. This is our last Sunday, and it's going to culminate in the end of, uh, of Isaiah 58. You know, one of the things that as we were thinking through today, I find it funny how God has, can you guys hear me okay? All right. How the verses that we actually started with, our, um, our verses that we read together as a church, is actually one of the verses we're going to be going to. It's really neat how that worked out. What a coincidence it is. Guys, it's not a coincidence. God ordains and God sets forth his plan, his purpose for his own glory. And so that is really exciting. And so what I'd like to do is, this has nothing to do with my sermon, but as we were um, worshiping, uh, and you know how Pastor Eric said he's going to preach the entire uh, Psalm 119, so that's what I thought we'd do. we read a whole chapter of the Bible together, and it's Psalm 117. It's the longest chapter in the Bible. Not true, of course, but it says, Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise him, all ye people. For his merciful kindness is great towards us, and the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. We are called to praise. We are called to worship. We are called to adore. We are called to honor the one who came and died, took our place, took our punishment, who is always, always, always on the throne. He doesn't surrender. He doesn't submit. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. And so we can praise him for his merciful kindness. Because, by the way, merciful really is loving. It is loving kindness. It is compassion. So I want you to kind of keep that in mind as we walk through this passage together. So if you're able, we're going to read through Psalm 58. We're going to read the entirety because I'm going to preach it all. Get out. No, I'm just kidding. Let's, let's stand together and read the word of God if you're able. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up thy voice like a trumpet and show my people their transgression, the house of Jacob their sin. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness, forsook not the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinance of justice. They take delight in approaching to God. Wherefore have we fasted, they say, and thou seest not. Wherefore have, ye, have we afflicted our soul and thou takest no knowledge. Behold, in the day of your fast, ye find pleasure and exact all your labors. Behold, ye fast for strife and debate and to smite with the fist of wickedness. Ye shall not fast as ye do this day to make your voice heard, uh, your voice be heard on high. Is it such a fast as I have chosen? A day for a man to afflict his soul? It is to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Wilt thou call this a fast and the acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast I've chosen? To loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burden, and to let the oppressed go free, and that ye break every yoke? Is it not to deal thy bread to the hungry, and thou bring the poor and uh, that are cast out to thy house? When thou seest the naked, that thou cover him, cover him, and thou sh uh, not hide thyself from thine own flesh. For then shall thy light break forth as the morning, and thine health uh, shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be thy reward. And thou shalt, uh, and, and then shalt thou call, and the Lord shall answer. 
thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou takest away uh, from the midst of thee the yoke of the putting forth of the finger and speak in vanity, and if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones. And thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not. And they shall not be of thee, uh, and they shall, that, that shall be of thee, sorry, uh, uh, shall build in old waste places. And thou shalt rise up, uh, raise up the foundations of many generations. And thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach and the restorer of the paths to dwell in. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and thou shalt call the Sabbath the delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, and doing not your own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words, then thou shalt find delight in thyself in the Lord, and I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth, and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob thy father, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Father, will you bless the reading of your word? And now, Lord God, will you bless the preaching of your word? In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right. How do you, how do you um, follow up uh, these men of God that have come before? How do, you, how, do you, uh, you, how do you wrap it all together? So the only thing I knew how to do is to sum up the only way I knew how, which is to wing it. No, I'm just kidding. I, I wrote it down. Okay. So Isaiah 51.1 says, Cry out, spare not, lift up thy voice like a trumpet, and show my people their transgression, and the house of Jacob their sin. And so Isaiah commanded by God to sound the alarm. To cry out, to let his voice be like a trumpet, to show God's people their transgression and sin. Okay, they so when you when you think of it, they supposedly seek the Lord daily. They claim that the Lord is their delight, and they do not forsake the ordinances of uh, of God and the commands of their God. And they ask for justice. They they take delight in approaching God, but they really do not. Yet in all this, it was all for show. We see this when they ask the questions of God. Look at verse 3. It says, Wherefore have we fasted? Yea, say they, and thou seest not. Wherefore have we afflicted our soul, and thou takest no knowledge? Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and exact all your labors. Why do they fast? Why do they afflict themselves? It is because they want something from God. They're trying to play God. They're trying to play him, think that they can get it over on him. This seeking of God was all about what they could do so they can get. This was not about acknowledging God in what God thinks. This was all about their benefits of belonging to God without the responsibility to honor God. Think about that a second. They found their pleasure in all their fasts and all their labors, finding their pleasure in everything else instead of the Lord God. Guys, they were trying to love God and love other things. And that can't happen. And so, their fasts were empty and useless. And they only brought strife and confrontations. Even to kill with the fist, it says. Pastor Eck rightly told us that prayer and fasting can be sinful and wrong. Bowing in prayer, but empty in power. They're playing with God and they have defected from God. 
So Isaiah 59, 2 says this, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, and he will not hear. So that's pretty hard. Their words that they're praying to God are falling upon deaf ears because they do not love God, they do not honor God, and they do not fear God. They have no respect of God. So they're playing their own way, thinking that God's going to bless their path. <clears throat> so think about that. They want God to attend to their prayers without repentance, without genuine turning from their sin. Here's what it says in Isaiah 29, 13. Wherefore, the Lord say, said, for as much as this people draw near to me with their mouth, listen, with their lips they do honor me, but they have removed their heart far from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the precept of men. They turn from the, the, the wisdom of God, the wisdom of his word, to the words of men, to the wisdom of men, to the ordinance of men, to the plan of men. They're walking in their own path and in their own wisdom. And they are foolish. They're foolish. So when you think through this, they've honored God with their mouths, but their hearts are far, far, far from him. God calls them to fast and afflict themselves uh, from sin, to turn from sin, to loose the bands of evil, to stand up for the oppressed of God's people, to set them free from such burdens that were inflicted upon them by God's people. Isn't it funny that God's people afflicted God's people? That's hard. Think about when they were looking for a king. Do you remember that? They wanted a king and God said, okay, here's the king that you want. You want a king like the other nations? And they're going to use you, misuse you, and abuse you. Congratulations. You have the king you asked for. They got Saul. But then God gave them a better king in David. But today, God has given us a better king in King Jesus. And so, so, so what are we to do? Well, we are called to break the yoke of slavery and sin among God's people. We're called, uh, we're called to help the hungry amongst God's people. We're called to minister to the poor of God's people. This does not mean we don't minister outside the church. But God's people are supposed to be cared for by God's people. And so... We house the saints and help them in their need. We clothe the naked so they would not be destitute. Guys, you know, when we minister the gospel, we don't just give. We give with the gospel on our lips. We give with the gospel on our lips. Um, Al Mohler actually said it best. Not only must we, uh, we, must we live the gospel, but we must also articulate the gospel. Why? Because if you're only doing good things, all you're showing people is that people can be good. But what they really need to know is none are good, but God is good. And we point them to Jesus. Look at verse 8. Isaiah 58, 8 says, Then shall thy light break forth as the morning, as the, and thine health shall spring forth speedily, and thy righteousness shall go before thee, and the glory of the Lord shall be your reward. So if they would repent, the light of God will break forth from them. We are the light of the world. And we are the salt of the earth. We are the ones that reflect the light of Christ. Like the moon reflects the sun, we are supposed to be reflecting the sun. The glory of God is our sure reward. It is ours. 
So, and when you honor God, when you honor God in all your ways and you call upon him, he will answer is what he tells them. He will answer, he will not leave you without hope. And the yoke of slavery is removed. If you're here and you are in Christ, the yoke of slavery of sin is, a, is gone. It's done. You are a new creation. Behold, he makes all things new. So when God is your hope, there is a sure hope, an anchor to the soul, both sure and steadfast. That's from Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19. Jesus is that sure hope that entered behind the holy of holies. He is the one that does exactly what he promises. And so when we minister to others, how do we minister? We minister out of our need. We minister out of our brokenness. We minister to the hungry for the glory of God. We satisfy the soul of the afflicted one. And then the light of the gospel will shine forth, will shine brightly in a dark world, in a darksome path. <clears throat> Pastor Jim said the heart of stone is changed to a heart of flesh. The light of the gospel will shine, will illuminate, will awaken, and we will share the light with others. When we look to Christ, we will reflect the righteousness of God. I paraphrase a little bit. So the Lord will guide us continually, satisfy, satisfy us completely. The generations that will rise, I love how you kept on going back to this, Pastor Jim, as restorers of the... Careful. Uh, uh, <coughs> okay. As restorers of the breacher, uh, breaches. Restorers of the holes in the wall. And so, today, you will hopefully learn to rest in God because Isaiah wrote this passage Isaiah 58 13 to 14 to call them to return and to rest in the Lord by the way that is my only point today rest in the Lord this is the only truth I got for you because honestly this is a lot so hang on this is a roller coaster ride and we're going so rest in the Lord return to right worship thank you I think I'll leave that right there Return to right worship. Come back to biblical fidelity. Apply your heart to seek God in the manner that he desires to be worshipped. Guys, how is it that when we worship God, we worship under our own way? Instead of what is ordained and regulated by scripture. Why do we worship the way we do here at Everglades? Well, we worship the way we do here at Everglades because it is ordained in God's word. It's regulated by God's word. We read the word, we sing the word, we pray the word, we preach the word. And there's one more, but I can't remember it right now. But, so I want you to really ponder that through. So let's go to Isaiah 58, 13. If thou shalt turn thy foot away, uh, uh, thy, away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath of delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and shalt honor him, and not do in your own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. Really awesome. So if you turn your foot from rejecting, uh, uh, rejecting God's rest, rejecting this Sabbath, for instead of ignoring the Sabbath worship, you return to resting in the Lord's Sabbath. Guys, in the Lord's Sabbath. Why is the Sabbath important? It was a day set apart where God called his people to rest and modeled this rest. He created for six days and rested on the seventh day. This is a model for us. This is a good model for us. We need to rest. We need to worship. By the way, guys, as we think through this, every day is a day for us to worship. 
So a day set aside for God's people. Here's what it says in Exodus 20, verse 8 through 11. It says, Remember the Sabbath day, keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. And in it thou shalt not do any work. Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy uh, maidservant, nor thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is in within the gates. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it or made it holy. God himself modeled this rest. God doesn't need rest. We need rest. God doesn't need the Sabbath. We need his Sabbath rest. We need to rest in God. And so Nehemiah chapter uh, 10 verse 31 is really interesting. It says, and I'll read this slowly. If the people of the land bring wares or victuals, okay, basically things to sell and food on the Sabbath day to sell, um, it goes on, it says that we would not buy from them on the Sabbath or on the holy day and that we would not, we, we would Leave the seventh year in the exaction of every day. So Nehemiah reminded the people of the Sabbath. Don't work on the Sabbath. Don't sell on the Sabbath. Don't buy on the Sabbath. And the people, of course, are really, really obedient when he's there. But when he leaves, three chapters later, remember, he's back in, in the city of, uh, of the king Xerxes. Nehemiah reminded them of this commandment. But while he was there, they obeyed. But when he was gone, they forgot. How convenient. By the way, how often do we forget? Oh, maybe that's just too, too convicting. Let's move on. Nehemiah 13, 15. In those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bring in the sheaves and laden asses and also wine and grapes and figs and all manner of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold the victuals. He says, I come back and they're, they're doing all this work. They're, they're making wine. They're, they're bringing in the sheaves. They're loading their donkeys. They're, they, you know, they have this wine, these grapes, these figs, and all manners of burden. They didn't listen worth anything. They did not obey. I guess when the shepherd's away, the sheep will play or something like that. Okay, so they quickly returned to their patterns of sin. Nehemiah addressed their sin, but though they listened to him, and though they quickly obeyed him while he was there, they quickly turned when he left. Because there were enemies still in the camp. There were enemies still in the camp. How do I know? Because they, even in God's house, if you go to that chapter, in God's house, the priest set up a place for Tobiah who is not for the people of God. And they had them live in the temple and they stopped giving the priests their food. Guys, there's a problem. Guys, if, if today we would have need for a pastor to rise up, and let's say each of our pastors are arrested, we have men that would stand up and preach. Why? Because they've been changed within the problem is many of them had not been changed within at this point. This is why he's calling them to return. So you may be able to get, uh, get people to submit outwardly, but unless they have a changed heart, they will return to their sinfulness. They will return to their disobedience. They will turn back to the, to the miry pit they came out of or they never came out of. 
Then Nehemiah 13, 17 says, And I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, What evil thing is it that you do and profane the Sabbath day? So he calls the rulers out and says, What are you, stupid? Okay, he doesn't say that. That's my words, not his. But he's saying, what have you done? And what he does is really amazing. He calls what they did absolutely evil. They have profaned, defiled the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath day that God had set aside. By the way, anyone reminded of what Jesus says? Uh, you know, because Jesus, you know Jesus, right? He's Jesus. Okay. Matthew 23, verse 27. Listen to what he says to the religious leaders. Woe unto you, you scribes and Pharisees. Listen, hypocrites. For you are like white whited sepulchers or whitewashed tombs which indeed appear beautiful on the outside but within are full of dead man's bones and all uncleanness whitewashed tombs alive without and dead within guys unless the gospel penetrates the heart there is no life so they make a great proclamation but they have no implementation there is no work of God in their heart so so does this, does keeping the Sabbath save you? That's the question, okay? God desires for his people to have rest and a day committed to honor and honor him alone. Does the Sabbath save us? Not the day. The day doesn't save us. So Colossians chapter two, verse 16, listen to what it says, because I think this is important. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or new of the new moon or of Sabbath days. So we do not let men judge us about what we eat, what we drink and when we worship. Okay, guys, why? It's because God is the savior. Jesus is the savior. Jesus is the rest. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He's the one who gives us rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse, uh, I think it's verse 28. Come to me, you all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Rest. Oh, man, what would it look like if we rest? That's why I really loved it. As Victor was reading, I thought, oh, my. What an amazing God we serve that he even lets our reading come right in line to, to, um, to what God has placed upon my heart. So in Matthew 12, we see Jesus, uh, Jesus' disciples eating uh, some corn. And they accuse them of working on the Sabbath. So Jesus defends them a little bit. In Matthew 12, 6, it says, But I say unto you, listen to what he says, But I say unto you that in this place is one greater than the temple. That's interesting wording there. So what is he saying? Well, Jesus is making this amazing statement that at the time he was speaking, there was someone there that was greater than the temple. By the way, he was speaking of himself. In case you didn't know, hope I didn't ruin the surprise. He's speaking of himself. Why? Because he himself is God. He is God. He is Emmanuel, God with us. Or Matthew chapter 12, verse 8, where, where Victor ended our reading. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. Jesus is the Lord even on the Sabbath day. He is Lord's Sabbath. Martin Luther, not King, Martin Luther pens a mighty fortress. And I'm probably going to sing this because I don't want to let my, my pastors down. 
Did we in our strength confide, our striving would be losing. Were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. You ask who that may be, Christ Jesus it is he. Lord Sabbath is his name, from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. He is Lord Sabbath. He is our rest. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 8 says, Harden not your heart as in the day of provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness. What is that talking about? There was a time when the Jewish people was, were called uh, to, to be obedient and they rebelled against God. And he put them in the wilderness for 40 years until that whole generation were to die out. Save Joshua and Caleb. So, those in that day were lost and unredeemed. How do I know? Because it says in uh, 3.11 of Hebrews, So I swore, I swear in my wrath, or swore in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. They are lost and they are dead and they're condemned. They died in their rebellion and sin. God swore that he would not let them enter into his rest. Or Hebrews 3.12 says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief, departing from the living God. So unbelief comes from, listen, from an evil heart. Unbelief comes from an evil heart. An unbelief comes from a heart that, that refuses to repent and believe the gospel. Refuses to turn to the one who is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14.6 Chimo actually rightly uh, calls this, or rightly declares this as a faith check. This is a faith check. We should always constantly be examining ourselves and testing ourselves. Don't we know that Christ dwells in us unless we be reprobates? That from, it comes from uh, 2 Corinthians 13.5. Or fail the test that we have not Christ within. So, this faith check. Then Hebrews 4.11 says... Listen, this is awesome. I'm going to read this slow. Because I know I'm, a, I'm, I'm like a Speedy Gonzalez when I read. I'm the end there. Anybody? You know that guy? Okay, get it. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Let us strive to enter into that rest that comes only through Christ. It is Christ who is the Lord of the Sabbath, and, and we ought to honor him as such, as holy, 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 holy. Isaiah 58, 13, listen to what it says. If thou turn away thy foot from the Sabbath, from doing thy pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy of the Lord, honorable, and thou shalt honor him, and not doing thy own ways, nor finding thine own pleasure, nor speaking thine own words. In talking about the Sabbath, it seems he shifts. I don't know if you guys catch the shift. There's a shift there from the day to the one who ordained the day. Because what does it say? So they would honor him and not doing our own ways. It is talking about this, this, this Sabbath that is the Lord's Sabbath. The Lord, our rest. And so when you think about that, I love what it says at the end. It says, turn from doing your own ways, not doing your own pleasure, and speaking not your own words. 
really important. Repent, I think is the word you'd like to use here. By the way, most people think that is my the word that I preach the most, is repent. I thought it was brownies, but that's different. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. And he said to them, Thy Sab The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. This is really important. Therefore, the Son of Man is also, is Lord also of the Sabbath. He is our Sabbath rest. The Sabbath is not for, for you know, it, it's, it's not so man would, uh, what do you call it? Sabbath was made so men would rest. Jesus is our Sabbath's rest. He is the one that helps us and aids us. Honor him. Turn from your ways. Don't seek your own pleasure. Don't speak your own words. For you have been bought with a high price. If you're in Christ, it is a precious blood of Christ who is the rest for his people. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Isaiah 58, 14. Then shalt thou delight, thou shalt delight thyself in the Lord. And I will cause thee to ride upon the high places of the earth and feed thee with the heritage of Jacob, thy father. For the word and for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. So if you, if, if they had surrendered to Christ, in repent, to God in repentance and actually had a changed heart, he promises them something that they will delight themselves in the Lord. That he will cause them to ride in the high places of the earth. He will exalt them. He will lift them up. And they will have the things that God has promised with his own mouth. Really important. So as you think through, I jump back to 13 for a second. I'm going to read the end of it. You shall honor him and not do in thine own way. Okay? Not finding your own pleasure. Nor speaking your own words. And then 14 ends with, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. Don't go by what you say. Go by what God's word says. Go by what God's word says. And so, they will have these things because God promised it. And then go back to our passage that we read for our call to worship. By the way, I did choose this one. This was not a coincidence. Um, Isaiah 55, 11. So shall my word be that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Jesus is the word of God. It has accomplished exactly what God has called him to accomplish, and it will always accomplish. He is the Lord's Sabbath. He is our rest, the Savior of our soul. By the way, his name, Jesus, which is a transliteration of Joshua, literally means the salvation of God, just for fun, okay? So what God has spoken, God will accomplish. And what he has ordained will come to be. What he has purposed to do, he will do. And if you have or will turn from sin and trust Christ, these promises are actually for you as well. And so we will delight in God's word. He will lift us up. He will give us his sure promises. The promises that he has made, he will keep. For what he says he will do, his word will not fail, will not come back empty, and will not come back void. These promises drive us to live out the gospel so all would see. Isaiah 58.10, going back to uh, the a passage a Pastor Jim uh, walked through a little bit. It says, And if thou draw thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul, and shall... 
uh, shall thy light rise up in uh, obscurity and thy darkness be as noonday. We are called to give people who are hopeless hope. We are called to give the gospel. We are called to preach the gospel so that the spiritually hungry would be satisfied, the afflicted soul would be satisfied, that the light of the gospel that is in us will not stay in obscurity. But we are called to be a missionary people, a light to a lost world, a, a world that we are to be salt to, that we would see, that is so seasoned with sin, it needs to be seasoned with Christ. We need to preach Christ. We are a missionary people to a lost and dying world. So let us let others see our good works and honor our Father in heaven. That's what it says in Isaiah 62, 6. I have set watchmen upon thy walls, O Jerusalem which shall never hold their peace day or night. And you shall make mention of the Lord and not keep silent. This is brilliant. I mean, I'm going to read that slower. I've set watchmen on the walls, guards on the walls. And listen to what it says that they will do. Listen, O Jerusalem, which shall never hold their peace. May we never hold our peace about the gospel. We are a gospel people. And we must speak the gospel. Whether day or night, we are to make mention of the Lord and never keep silent. We are called to be a gospel people. We are called to cry out, to sound the alarm, to preach the gospel that brings good news. 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be instant, in season, out of season, rebuke, reprove, uh, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering. And doctrine. So we are called to be heralds of truth, out of season, in season, in every season, reproving as God has done through Isaiah. We are rebuking as God has done through Isaiah, and we are exhorting as God has done through Isaiah to encourage with patience the right teaching that comes from God's right word. We have a real word. That's why First Peter three fifteen is so important. But sanctify the Lord in your hearts. Make the Lord holy in your hearts. Be always ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Exalt the Lord in your heart. Be ready to give an answer to every man who ever asks you of what your hope is based on. And do so with meekness and fear. Pastor Doug had given us something to remember at the beginning of his sermon, he said, only, uh, our only hope is the gospel, which will, and he gave two, grow a passion for missions and be an evidence of conversion. It will grow a passion for missions and be an evidence of conversion. God is a missionary God. His people are called to be a missionary people. If you do not know Christ, there will be no passion for the gospel. Just a reminder that there is something not right Friends, without Christ, there is no hope. Without Christ, there can be no hope at all. For there is only one thing that you will face is eternity apart from Christ in a place called hell. Because sin separates, sin condemns, sin hides God's face. He cannot hear, and yet there is hope. And this comes from Isaiah 59.1, which actually follows Isaiah 58.14. Behold. Behold, look, pay attention. The Lord's hand is not shortened that he cannot save, nor is he heavy that he cannot hear. 
He saves and he hears. So there's hope for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. So turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. And I'd like to leave you with one last passage. Because believe it or not, this plane is landing. Isaiah 45, 22. This is a passage that uh, Charles Haddon Spurgeon actually came to Christ listening to a really bad sermon on. It's what his words, not mine. And it says, he kept on, he, the guy kept on saying, look, look, look unto God. So look unto me, listen, and be ye saved. All the ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. Father, will you bless the preaching of your word and now bless us as we sing. Father, may Christ be exalted, your name be praised and honored and adored. Father, that you would just move us at the impulse of your love for the glory of your name. Father, thank you so much for this uh, day that we can close this month of missions. But Lord God, may this become the year of missions that we would constantly and continually go before you um, and, and just share the gospel as we go. Father, for those that are going on the mission field, okay, whether it is Snowbird with Hannah or um, uh, Africa somewhere for Cali, I can't remember the place, uh, Malawi, Lord God, or Market Word of Life or Sarah in Peru. I pray we would be a gospel saturated, a gospel, um, a, a gospel proclamating church until the whole world hears. In Jesus' name, amen.